0: amen let's pray together father um we do we we stand before you tonight and we do declare that that you are so good i mean you're you're good in general and you've been so good to us as well as so a father we embrace that truth here tonight and all we could really do is give that praise and worship that you deserve back to you father we love you a lot in jesus name amen kids you guys have a great time enjoy yourselves How is everybody? Good. Everybody having a good week? Mixed? That's alright. Hey, we're in our spiritual practices series. And we're in the third week. And the first week we talked about Sabbath. Or I like to say Shabbat, just because it's more fun to say that word. Uh, and then last week we talked about becoming a servant. I love how Tara said that. She, you know, It wasn't just about service, it was... We want to become someone who is a servant. And this week we're going to talk about the spiritual practice of rejoicing. Now, this isn't one that we typically think of. In fact, until I put it on the schedule, I didn't really consider it. But then when I spent more time in the scriptures, I quickly realized that this one is on par with worship, with service, with scripture reading. All those things that rejoicing is a very, very important spiritual practice, and basically everyone desires experiences of joy. The question is not if you are seeking joy, the question is where are you seeking it? Uh, Now I have known people over the years who truly do seek out misery and not joy, but typically even that is manifested out of previously desiring to experience joy but becoming so hardened that they just kind of throw their hands up in the air we were made to experience or try to experience joy but here's the problem and it seems small but it's rather important many will seek joy to the point where everything else becomes a means to obtaining that joy so you'll hear things like the worldly wisdom of do what makes you happy right this is saying the end game is happiness or joy And everything else is a means for you to obtain that joy, right? But the follower of Jesus primarily seeks not joy, but primarily seeks Christ as the end game. thus, as a byproduct, experiences joy, ultimate joy. So for the human heart to experience joy, it must pursue something much greater than joy itself. Uh, it must experience Christ thus as an indirect result experience the fullness of joy in the process So that's a major difference I'm sure it breaks your all's hearts when you see people around you time and time again they want to experience joy and they're going to all these different places to try to experience joy and then you see what you know that ultimately what's gonna happen is it's going to leave them empty-handed right time and time again that when we make our ultimate goals sort of center around ourself and our joy, then it actually ends up falling short. The great irony is that when we stop pursuing joy itself, but pursue Christ itself, something that transcends far beyond just joy, that's when we experience ultimate joy. Um, and one thing tonight that I think is really important for us to know is that God himself is the most joyful being who ever existed. Uh, Like we said back in November, if God were not joyful, then we might as well just go ahead and pack it in right now, right? If the creator of the universe were not joyful, then really what's the point, right? But the fact is, he's extremely joyful. In fact, joy or rejoice or joyful, all those things uh, are mentioned 430 times throughout the Bible, And Jesus himself was extremely joyful. I mean, you take uh, his first miracle was performed to keep the party going. Right? And then you think about the kids. This is probably the best evidence of how we know that Jesus was so joyful. Because kids do not like to go up to grumpy people, do they? Right? For the kids to want to go to Jesus, he was delighted and joyful. And I think sometimes we think of God not in that way, right? We think of his character in, in not a very joyful way. But I want to continue with you here tonight that God is extremely joyful. And he wants us to experience the joy that he gives to us. So John fifteen eleven says this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 17, 13 says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Now this full measure, the original definition of that is essentially like if you took a cup and it was uh, filled to the brim and you're sort of walking with it and like if it overflows it gets right filled back up, right? This is the full measure of joy. And I think we can know in part if we're, if we're truly seeking after the character of Jesus, if we are experiencing some joy in the process. If we're not, then I don't think we're after the actual character of Jesus. The question I have for us tonight is, where are you seeking joy here tonight? Perhaps if we stop making the goal to be joy, but make it a byproduct of a larger pursuit, then we will, in fact, experience the fullness of joy here tonight. Now, how do we do that, right? If you're like me, tell me what to do, right? You can talk about things all day. Just tell me what I need to do, okay? So we know that joy is part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? That if we're led by the Spirit, that these things are produced. So what does it look like to be led into joy by the Spirit tonight? Well, very simply, by rejoicing. Write that down, by rejoicing, I want to continue with you tonight something that I've thought a lot about coming into tonight. And I've thought a lot about it my whole life, really. But I think it's really important for us to note. It's that we have everything we need right now in order to rejoice in the Lord. That we have everything that we need right now in order to rejoice in the Lord. There's nothing that we lack in order to rejoice in the Lord here tonight. Now that word rejoice has many definitions but I think the best one I found is from the Greek uh, which essentially means to be animated with gladness at God's favorable grace to us. I just maybe I just kind of picked that one cuz I liked it the best but but I just love that to be animated with gladness at God's favorable grace to us. Do you ever just get animated at how good God has been to you? I mean, do you ever just say man, I'm like overcome so much by how good he is that I just got to rejoice, right? Or do we get so civilized sometimes in our faith or, or we feel like we're too grown up sometimes to just get animated about how good God has been to us? And I know some of you here tonight will say, well, but I don't have a lot to rejoice about. I mean, again, like, I just said, you know, we have everything that we need in order to rejoice in the Lord. But I don't feel that to be true here tonight. And look, this is how I felt for many years. You all know my background. I worked in counseling in some of the most difficult situations I would encounter. I mean, things like loss and trauma and diagnoses and all these things. And so I didn't really believe that truth that we do have everything we need in order to rejoice in the Lord. My... Very first case, as a 22-year-old, I had a 17-year-old kid um, who was forced to watch his mother be killed, and I'm supposed to talk to him about coping skills and all these things, and I, I said, I, I don't think I can tell him that he has what he needs in order to rejoice in the Lord. And I felt this way for a long, long time because you look at that scenario and it's nothing like anything I've ever faced in my life. So how can I say you have everything you need in order to rejoice in the Lord? This seems almost even dismissive, doesn't it? Or offensive to say that. But what I realized over time, though, is that we simply cannot afford not to believe that we can rejoice in the Lord in any circumstance. We can't afford not to believe that. We have to know and believe that we can rejoice even in the midst of the hardest circumstances. Otherwise, despair will be right around the corner. And we mourn. Yes, man, we, we mourn. And, and here at Grace Meadows Church, I, man, I just, if you're going through something here tonight, like this is a family that is going to be there with you and mourn with you. But we do not mourn as those who don't have hope. We mourn as those who don't have to lose heart. Why? Because we can, in any circumstance, rejoice in the Lord. And James chapter 1, um, James, this is like one of the most radical passages in all the scriptures, I feel like. Because how does he start it off? He says, consider it pure joys, brothers. And then you, under, you understand like what he's talking about. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, and then you look up what those trials are, and it is dudes chasing them with a machete trying to kill them. And he says, consider it pure joy. And I don't think what he's saying is like, have this weird psycho martyr mentality of like, yes, right? Somebody's coming after me and trying to kill me. But he's saying we can have joy even in the midst of the hardest circumstances. I learned pretty quickly that there are times where joy can only come through him, so we cannot afford not to see that we can rejoice in him in any circumstance. When Morgan had her miscarriage um, a few years back, she found herself saying, like, I'm hungry for being in the scriptures even more. I mean, she's in the scriptures all the time, but even more in the midst of such pain, she was seeking Some joy to rejoice in the Lord. When those times come, we've got to be prepared. And that's why this is a spiritual practice that we've got to adopt now. When times, maybe you're not going through something difficult right now. But if we can adopt this spiritual practice of rejoicing in the Lord, then we will be prepared for battle when those things come. Notice I didn't say if, but when those things do come in your life. Because if we don't, then we have no choice But to succumb to the darkness, to the pain of the circumstances, to the pain of loss, to the pain of life apart from him and give in to despair. And that's why Paul says in Philippians 3, um, verse 1, he says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Rejoicing in the Lord provides safeguards for us against despair, against things like losing heart. And Paul would know as well as anyone. I mean, this guy, he had everything that you could want in Jewish culture at one point in time, right? I mean, he's a real up-and-comer in Jewish culture. He's a Roman citizen. I mean, everybody says, man, this guy's got zeal for the Lord. He's like one of the dudes that are just doing it, right? And then he gives all that up. And he gets chains as a reward, in a sense, right? And he's saying, yeah, we can rejoice in the Lord even in prison. I mean, he probably experienced despair at times, don't you think? I mean, don't you think he's writing this book out of experience and trying to help the Philippians to have a blueprint for them to move forward when they experience some of these things that he's experienced? Think about all those nights in the jail cell that he must have had. And, and I would imagine that he even asks himself the question at some point, man, I, I had a pretty good life before this whole Jesus thing. I mean, I, you know, I mean, don't you think maybe there was some some uh, some guilt, some regret of his decisions? And what did he do in that time when those things came, when things got really heavy, when despair even, isolation, all those things happen. His game plan, his battle plan was to rejoice in the Lord. Oh, uh, sixteen times in just this uh, book right here, this letter to the Philippians, he says rejoice or joy sixteen times. And maybe, maybe he says it out of just an overflow of, of just feeling like I'm just joyful right now, right? Or maybe... He's also saying this because he's trying to lead himself towards experiencing the joy in the Lord that only he offers. So, in the next chapter, he says it again, Philippians 4.4. 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then I love this. He says, I will say it again, rejoice. It's like, man, Paul, why do you keep saying this over and over, right? And it's because he knows that challenging times are about to come to Philippi. He knows what he's been through. He knows the persecution that he has faced on account of Jesus. And he knows that the church in Philippi is going to experience it too. So he's saying, get your battle plan ready. And your battle plan is to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. And for us, that's true too. Right? And not just here tonight, and not just Sunday morning, but in our everyday lives. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. So, again, if you're like me, okay, you tell me I need to rejoice. Still, what does that look like, right? So there's three things I want to talk through with you here tonight. Uh, Number one, how to rejoice in the Lord. When you see good, get pumped about it. When you see good, get pumped about it. Like, notice it. And I'm not talking about, like, act like a fool. I'm just saying, notice it and get excited about it, right? And um, Philippians 4.8 says this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Again, we can't afford not to. We can't afford not to. A life... That doesn't notice and rejoice in the good around us is a life that inevitably will be too heavy to bear. And perhaps it would be good for us to become the kind of people that other people around us want to share good things in their life that's going on, right? I mean, wouldn't it be cool if like you were the first person that people called up and they said, I know this person is going to celebrate with me because this is a good thing. I want to call this person up. Because I know they're going to get pumped about it. They're going to be like, yeah, let's go. Great. You got that promotion. I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. Right? Or your kid, you know, for the first time, they don't say, I want, I want, I want. They actually ask you. And you say, yes, great job. That's awesome. Right? Like what if we were just a people who saw good and just pointed it out? We didn't just let it slip by unnoticed We said, I see that, good thing, and I'm pumped about it. Man, I mean, you even take, like, the early church in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples, right? And people think they're so, like, in awe and wonder and stuff like that, that people around them think that they're drunk, right? And Peter's like, I need to address them. And he addresses them outside. He says, it's only 9 in the morning. We're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit, right? Right? What if there was something so different about us that we said, Man, I just love to see good. I just love it, and I'm going to call it out, and I'm going to get so excited when I see it. So that's number one. Number two, when you don't see good, reflect on the good that you have seen before. Psalm 143 5 says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done, I ponder the work of your hands. Psalm seventy-seven, eleven says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will, will remember your wonders of old. And I've told you guys before, sometimes joy is just not very natural to me. That there are days where I wake up, I mean, just even yesterday, like you would think that I would be so just naturally excited. I mean, things are going, you know, well, and, you know, everybody's healthy and all that stuff. And I just kind of wake up and I'm just like, numb. And Morgan asked me, she's she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't I don't know. I just don't know. And one of my battle plans on those days is like this nostalgia or reflection on all that God's done in our lives. And I started a couple of years ago, I started doing uh these slideshows for birthdays in our family. And um and then at the end of the year I'll do these photo albums. And so now I'm like Building up my inventory for those moments to look back and see all of God's provisions over our lives. And if things get bad enough, don't tell anybody this. But when things get bad enough, I might even pull out like the Christmas time videos and stuff like that (laughs) during the year. But it's just this point of, look, man, I'm just not there. Like, I'm not rejoicing in the Lord. It doesn't come naturally to me a lot of days. So I'm going to lead myself into a place. Of rejoicing in the Lord. That's why this is a practice. It's not a feeling. It's a practice. To rejoice is a practice. A a joy is something that we have. But to rejoice is a practice that we choose to do. Um, The other thing to remember with this is that, man, everything is a gift to us. I mean, when we really realize that, everything that we've been given by God is a gift. This is no transactional mutual relationship, right? I mean, this is everything we've been given is a gift. And so you reflect on that, and then you see everything around you as just such a blessing, right? That's our battle plan, to say, God doesn't owe me anything, and so everything that I see is just so good. So we reflect on that. We reflect on that. We reflect on that. And we start to become somebody who rejoices. And then the third one is this. Very simply, never forget what Christ has done. Never forget what Christ has done. Paul ends his letter to Philippi with this statement or salutation, um, if you will. Um, Let's see, Philippians 4, I think it's verse 23. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. May we have with us, in our spirit, the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ with us each day. His grace to us is reason enough to rejoice. Now that word grace simply means God doing for us anything that we could not do on our own. And we could not have life itself on our own. He gave it to us. That's his grace to us. And that is reason to rejoice. Uh, Romans 8 Starting in verse 31, I'm going to read a few verses here. And I can't believe I haven't read this with you guys yet. I was thinking about this this week. I'm like, that's preaching 101 to go into Romans 8, right? But I haven't gone through this with you guys yet. But uh, Romans 8, starting in verse 31. It says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son... that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is a good reason for us to rejoice, is it not? Let us be a rejoicing people because we do have everything that we need right now in order to rejoice in the Lord here tonight. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for um, your provisions over our lives and the fact that we can rejoice in you. I mean, the the, the circumstances we can't rejoice in every, uh, with every circumstance or for every circumstance, but we can rejoice in any circumstance because why? Because the ultimate circumstance is that we are your children, and nothing can take that away. And so, Father, I pray tonight that you will make us a people who adopt this spiritual practice more and more of rejoicing in the Lord because we have such a good God to rejoice in. And so, Father, help us to be the kind of people who step into rejoicing. And and we can't control some of these things of like, you know, our minds continue to wander, but we want to more and more step into these things and become more and more someone who rejoices. And, Father, we know that we need you in order to do that. Holy Spirit, we need you to draw us closer, lead us, help us to know, help us to see when we're not being led by you. Father, we love you a lot. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This is your time to worship. If you need to come down to the altar to pray, if you need somebody to pray with, I would love to pray with you. If you're going through something here tonight, I want you to be encouraged. Like I said Sunday, you don't have to do that alone here. You don't have to do that alone here. We will mourn with you. We will walk with you. We will be here with you every step of the way. Now's your time to respond.